Hi, all of you wonderful scuba divers out there. Welcome to the Scuba Diver Magazine podcast, where I break down the latest scuba diving news and things that have just piqued my interest over the previous week. Uh, this week, a bit of a breakdown of last week's Go Diving show during the weekend. Um, that's taken up most of my week um, here in the UK. And there's a new gas mix in town for very, very deep diving called Hydreliox. Uh, it's, it's not a new thing, but yeah, there's just been a, a brand new test dive which was pretty cool uh so yeah starting off with the uh, the go diving show yeah that was previous weekend uh, if you're listening to this at the other uh, weekend uh here in the uk go diving show it's run by uh scuba diver magazine and yeah i had a great time um i was there working so i was doing um like background videos and stuff did a few interviews with some of the the main speakers from like ross kemp uh, andy torbert liz parkinson and uh, and alex mustard big underwater photographer uh but yeah all sorts of speakers um from all ranges of the underwater world um it was great to meet a lot of people um out there and um yeah just sort of yeah, meet and greet, as it were. Lots of attendees, the um, the people actually exhibiting. Um, everyone like ammonite dive torches. Uh, there were a few dive shops, uh, Andark, and um, yeah, just looking through some of these names. Avatar dry suits, uh, bite back the shark and marine conservation charity. Um, the BDMLR, Bzac. Uh, custom divers, uh, Garmin, Fourth Element, Hammond Dry Suit, Halcyon, QB uh, with the um, uh, the QB dry gloves, as well as Miflex hoses. Mares had a pretty big and exciting stand. They also had around back because they're partnered up with um, uh, Revo rebreathers. You could see their new um, the Horizon rebreather, which is sort of working between Maris and uh, and Revo. Uh, Namutech, a uh, relatively new brand, but they do have some quite exciting, interesting things. Uh, Xdeep were there. They were showing off their new... Um, I mean, it's not branded as an Xdeep dry suit, but it's from the creators of X Deep, we have Seal, uh, the uh, the SL1 dry suit, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, O3 dry suits, um, Hammond dry suits, as well as Otter. Uh, a few training agencies. We've got Raid and those uh, uh, Paddy. I've already mentioned Bzac, uh, Scuba Pro. That there are a ton of um, uh, exhibitors there. So uh, so yeah, had, had a great time, and um, and yeah, I'm going to be uploading some some footage in the uh, in the upcoming weeks and days, uh, depending on when I can actually get around to, to rendering it all together. There we also had from the the speakers, both on the main stage and on the smaller stages, because at at this. Yeah, if you didn't make it to uh, to the 2023 Go Diving Show, we had a big main stage, and then we had two smaller stages where um, where there was a technical diving stage, which would talk about like Great British shipwrecks and uh, life after COVID, all these kind of things. And then we had the photography, photo, and the like inspiration stage, which yeah was about photography and yeah. So, diving in general so lots to do lots to see we had the swim pool as well again big big swimming pool so you could actually take people in for try dives test out new equipment and there were a few like exhibitions there was one on the uh, the scuba jet that really small um uh, dpv 
someone just sort of buzzing around in the pool. You tried out like side mountain, all those kind of things. So yeah, the uh, the pool there was a, a bucking shark bronco um, type thing, like a mechanical bull, but it was a shark. That was kind of fun. Um, lots of kids and grown up kids were uh, were playing about on that, but. Um, but yeah, yeah, good time. It's it's tiring when you're um, when you're exhibiting because you've got to like assemble everything. You've got to look after people during the uh, the entire weekend, and then after everyone's left, you then have to break it down so it doesn't make the days very very long. But uh, but yeah, I think everyone had a good time, and um, and yeah, it was a. Uh, I, I certainly enjoyed myself. Um, so at the beginning, I mentioned a, a new gas called Hydrolux. So. This is from the uh, the GUE blog, and uh, and I'll, I'll put a link to it down in the description below because it is an interesting read. Uh, full disclosure: I've only managed to skim it because it is relatively new. It's just popped up in my feed, and um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. But there's there's a lot of information here that I'm going to uh, sort of skip over for uh, for brevity. But in February. Dr. Richard Harris, uh, aka Dr. Harry, and the Wet Mules conducted the world's first hydrogen rebreather dive to a test depth of 230 meters at Pierce Resurgence in New Zealand. So the purpose of this 13 and a half hour long dive was to determine the practicality and efficacy of using hydrogen to improve diver safety and performance of uber deep scuba dives. Harris will present the workup and the details of the dive at the Rebreather Forum 4 in Valletta in Malta on the 22nd of April. So if you're going, then yeah, look out for this. Uh, if you don't know about it yet, then yeah, it might be worth looking into it because that's getting pretty close. So Harris's recent dive is the latest of an estimated 54 experimental hydrogen dives that have been conducted over the last 80 years by military, commercial and technical divers. It was the first reported hydrogen dive made on a rebreather. Uh, in this case, it was dual megalodon rebreathers connected by the bailout valve, one that was charged with a Trimex diluent and the other with hydreliox, which is oxygen, hydrogen, and helium. Uh, it was also the first hydrogen dive conducted in a cave as well. So yeah, this is nothing new. Um, hydrogen has been around for a fair amount of time now. However, actually using it while scuba diving, yes, they've they've tested it. I think the um, I read the first was a Swedish Navy diver, um, and he was testing it out and basically trying to push it forwards and conducted six surface supplied dives on Hydrox, which was 4% oxygen and 96% hydrogen down to 40 meters, 70 meters, 110 and 160 meters. And this was back in 1945. Uh, the 160 meter dive, unfortunately, he died on, uh, but that was only because the tenders mistakenly pulled him up from depth without decompression. Since then, commercial divers have been experimenting with it from time to time. And basically, with the um, latest price hikes in hydrogen, uh, hydrogen gas is pretty expensive nowadays. Tech divers are like experimenting with alternatives to helium. And, um, and yeah, hydrogen seems to tick 
it it ticks a lot of boxes but it does open up a few other boxes so though the hydrox project dives were technically not technical dives and not very deep uh, there is reason to believe that hydrogen could improve diving safety and performance on super deep untethered dives first and most importantly hydrogen can improve the work of breathing which is a major risk factor on deep dives basically how hard it is to inhale the gas because the gas density of trimix something like a 490 which is four percent oxygen and 90 percent helium and balanced out with nitrogen down at 250 meters is 7.3 grams per liter which is considerably above the six gram per liter threshold where the risk of a negative outcome dramatically increases with half the molecular weight of helium hydrogen could reduce the gas density to safe levels resulting in a lower work of breathing so they put an example which is the density of uh, hydroelox 430 which is four percent oxygen the same except now we're using 30 percent hydrogen and then balancing it out with helium at 250 meters is 4.56 grams per liter, equivalent to breathing normoxic trimix 2135 at 40 meters. So it's a lot easier to breathe. Uh, hydrogen, which is narcotic at deep depths, has also been shown to ameliorate HPNS, which is another major limiting factor at deep depths. And with market interest in hydrogen as a fuel source on the rise, the gas is now relatively plentiful and cheap relative to helium, uh, although mixing costs could be pricey. Um, so, however, they do say there is a huge caveat. Though technical divers were successful in adapting helium-based mixed gas technology to scuba diving, the situation with hydrogen is completely different. Helium diving was well established in the military and commercial diving communities by the late 80s, early 1990s, and the technical community was able to draw on that experience that's simply not the case with hydrogen diving, uh, which has not been operationalized. And most of the research has dealt with saturation diving, which we're not doing on like rebreathers and untethered. Uh, in fact, there are significant challenges that must be addressed if self-contained hydrogen diving is to be possible, let alone successful. Uh, these include the real risk of fire and explosion. Um, look up the, uh, the Hindenburg, uh, both above and below the surface. Respiratory heat loss. Hydrogen is about three times the specific heat of helium and could lead to acute respiratory heat loss. So every time you're exhaling, all that body heat is, uh, is sort of being lost. Um, it's high specific heat also impacts scrubber efficacy, uh, particularly in colder waters. So when you go deep down and the water starts to get cold, your scrubber is less efficient. Uh, then there's helium to, uh, sorry, hydrogen to helium isobaric counter diffusion, uh, hydrogen narcosis, among other factors. So yeah, this this is one of the very early steps. You're you're not going to be seeing uh, helium in most dive centers in in a few years time. It's going to be quite quite a while but it is very interesting and this is really at the cutting edge of deep underwater exploration and mixing gases so um yeah if you're interested it's definitely an interesting read because it goes back into the uh, the history and um and how helium is being used i was talking with a chap Struth, a couple years back probably more than that and he was he was asking why scuba divers don't use hydrogen more 
and um, because uh, I think they used it for some kind of therapy that he was into, but like surface therapy, he wasn't into diving, but um, he, he was just asking the question. And um, no, we, we don't really use hydrogen, but maybe it's something in the future that we might be seeing. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting story. Um, the next news story, which um, was actually at the uh, the Go Diving show, if you were walking around uh, the uh, the main stage and uh, and sort of near the um, uh, the bar and food area, you may have noticed a rather large blue mako shark statue with a gold fin sticking out of its back. Um, so this is actually up to be one, and one lucky person is set to win a stunning life-sized Mako shark sculpture, which is worth more than £7,000 for just a £5 ticket, uh, thanks to a lottery initiative developed by the internationally acclaimed uh, marine wildlife sculptor Scott Glee to support bite back shark and marine conservation. So tickets to win this statue. Uh, the statue is called Gold Rush, um, which is a electric blue seven foot Mako shark sculpture with a 24 karat gold leaf dorsal fin have gone on sale at the, uh, the Go Diving show with all proceeds supporting the UK charity's campaigns to make Britain shark fin free. Uh, the high impact artwork, which was unveiled at the Go Diving show at the weekend, has been created to raise awareness of the global and unsustainable marine gold rush to hunt sharks for their valuable fins alone and to help fund Bite Back's campaign to end the UK's trade in shark products. Uh, individual lottery tickets to win the sculpture are being sold exclusively through the Bite Back website for £5 each, plus money-saving ticket deals in groups of 5, 10, 15, and 25. It's crafted from fiberglass, so it's pretty lightweight, relatively speaking. Um, and this is a, a one-off sculpture, and it's been sealed in weatherproof clear coat, which provides the winner of the uh, with the option of displaying Gold Rush both indoors and outdoors if you have space for a, a seven-foot-long Mako shark sculpture. Uh, the, uh, the artist has said, I can't think of a better way to announce yourself as a shark fan than a seven-foot shark in your garden, house, or workplace. Uh, sharks have been in my blood for decades, and this is an opportunity for me to express my love for sharks and my anger at their exploitation in one piece of art. On top of that, it's a huge pleasure to support the hardest-working shark charity in the UK. I hope this unique piece goes to a great home and raises thousands of pounds for Bite Back's campaign. Pain. Um, so yeah, the tickets are going to be on sale for 10 weeks before the winning ticket is picked by the artist himself. Um, the deadline is the 12th of May 2023. So if you are interested, uh, yeah, just head up on um, Biteback's website. I'll pop a link down in the description below. Um, the final story, because I didn't want to put too much uh, too many news stories in this week just because of all the uh, the Go Diving Show news that I'll be talking about um, is from Paddy, um, the Professional Association of Diving Instructors. Following several fatal incidents uh, involving Paddy professionals, the diving training agency has issued a statement warning dive centers and instructors of any agency uh, against losing sight of safety standards and practices, as well as five safety points uh, in response to these fatalities. 
such as the incident of the death of 18-year-old trainee Linnea Mills uh, whilst using a dry suit for the first time. Um, Paddy recently settled out of court for an undisclosed sum after a negligence lawsuit had been brought against it by the, uh, the Mills family, along with the now-closed dive centre, uh, its owners and an instructor who has since been expelled from Paddy. Paddy has shared five safety points for dive professionals that it says should be at the forefront of every business decision, course, training or supervision. So the first one is core safety standards and community safe diving practices must always be followed to the best of professionals' abilities, says the agency, emphasizing that the potential for an instant increases with any deviation from these. So stick to the safety standards. Uh, The second one is safety overlap is not superfluous. It is intentional that the dive safety procedures should overlap and repeat to form layers because no single procedure can account for variables such as human error. And this approach closes the gaps, uh, says Paddy. Incidents show that skipping seemingly repetitive procedures or disregarding seemingly minor standards removes a safety layer that, in retrospect, would have prevented a tragedy. So things like your pre-dive safety check, um, always go through that with your buddy and make sure that you do each step properly. And it just eliminates that. Um, I mean, as soon as you get to like rebreather level as well, they have like full on slates for each rebreather, which breaks down step by step pre dive safety checks. So that you're doing things properly. Yes, it can be monotonous, but it, you have to do it. The third point is safety is human. Safety standards and practices work when adapted to local conditions and to the diver's ability, but rely on conservative good judgment and reasoned application, uh, underlining that if in doubt, it is common sense always to select the more conservative option. The basis of depths, ratios, equipment, all procedures are ones that even open water diver students uh, would know and are mandatory. So misjudgment from diving professionals in this area is inexcusable. Fourth point, safety procedures are dynamic. Standards and procedures have to be kept updated because people weather diving conditions and circumstances vary and technology, diving physiology, knowledge and community practices change. In general, there's no reason or excuse for violating established diver training standards and procedures. Yeah, your diving procedures are continually updating. So just because you you have been diving for years and years doesn't mean that's how we still do things. The uh, the prime example is the um, uh, when you're opening and closing cylinder valves, that quarter turn or half turn back. We don't do that anymore. I used to teach that when I was teaching what seven or eight years ago, but it's just it's not the done thing anymore because mechanically the valves are improved, so we don't need to do it anymore. And by doing that quarter turn back, it does open up some uh, like uncertainty when it comes to whether the cylinder is open or closed. So there's a greater chance of you getting in the water with it actually closed. Um, I've spoken about it before. I'm not going to go into uh, sort of too great a depth. But yeah, nowadays you open the cylinder valve all the way, just finger tight and, and just leave it. You don't have to do that quarter or half turn back anymore. The fifth point is always be on duty when it comes to safety. The actions of diving professionals must be visible and unmistakable, reflecting what it is taught and following best practices without exception, says the agency, pointing to the danger of overlooking pre-dive safety checks 
incident data and anecdotal reports suggest that tight checks would prevent many incidents and close calls by conspicuously doing pre-dive checks as professionals the industry can encourage other divers to do the same so yeah even when you are a professional level diver just lead by example keep going through those safety checks and because basically because if a student sees you lagging and not doing safety checks well, what's the point in doing safety checks if my instructor isn't even doing them uh, so yeah try and make a point of doing it in front of students even if you're not teaching it's good to just yeah go, go that extra step and uh, make sure that everyone's seeing that oh, okay well what fred's doing his uh, his pre-dive safety check or oh, i haven't done mine yet it's best to do it so so those kind of things and it's always high on my um I'm trying to think of the word like hierarchy of, of scuba diving recommendations. I mean, it's literally my sign off of safe diving. Um, it's it's all about diver safety because the the safer that we can make it for everybody, then the the better it's going to be. So um, yeah, go go through those safety checks on every single dive, and uh, let's try and reduce the number of um, uh, just incidents in the water. Moving on to new gear. Yeah, I've been pretty busy with the uh, with the go diving show, but there was something that was like released. Is that the right word at the uh, at the go diving show? Um, it's it's one thing that it's been about, but it hasn't been like actively advertised, if that makes sense. And it's the Seal SL zero one dry suit. So this is um, it's it's basically the same brand as X Deep and but it's it's like a, a dry suit specific like wing of xd shall we say um but it, it has been out quite a few people have been have been testing them out and it's been around the the like the dive world i mean they, they've had a website for months now but it hasn't been a very like uh comprehensive website it's had a few information it had a couple pictures of the the dry suit you could actually configure one um but there wasn't a great deal of information until now um so at the go diving show they they sort of officially um are, are advertising it as it uh, as it were and yeah you you can now visit the um the website it's sealdrysuit.eu and yeah, you can check out this uh, this dry suit. They had one on the um, on the stand on the uh, on the Nautilus stand at um, at the Go Diving Show, and yeah, it's very very clever. They've given it more of a military cut. So military cut is where the, the zipper in is in a slightly different location, and you have a bit more rotation in the shoulders for like actual swimming, but. With the, the zipper, the zipper is basically higher. So normally a, a front zipper dry suit, it starts over your left-hand shoulder. Sometimes it's the right, but normally it's the left. And then it goes across your body down towards your right-hand hip. This one, it basically goes down to the like the bottom of your right-hand rib cage. So it's a bit higher up, and that means that you don't need as much telescopic, like extra space around the waist. But it also means that you can get in and out of it pretty easily all by yourself. Uh, so it's kind of been 
dons this like military cut. I think a, a waterproof dry suit, I want to say the W3 has, uh, has something similar, but, um, but yeah, um, certain key areas because they've been working with cave divers, like the, um, the forearm has this imported um, like toughened material. Uh, it's the same on the on the knees as well, so they're reinforced. The the forearms themselves, they have this like daisy chain webbing, and on on one sleeve it comes with some bungee loop that cave divers use to tuck things and, uh, and clip things off sort of quickly. But you can remove that. Otherwise, yeah, you can just clip bolt snaps onto the uh, the, the like daisy chain. Uh, one cool thing which I didn't notice at first until um, until I was looking at the back side of it, is on the back of the shoulders, there's two little loops, one on the left, one on the right. And I originally thought it was for like the display mannequin, if they needed to like tether it down. But actually, it's to hang up your dry suit whilst keeping the zipper in a nice straight position. And... They're, they're on the backs of the shoulders, so when you are diving, they're not going to get caught on anything because your BCD's covering it up. And yeah, it is basically a way of hanging up your dry suit from the outside um, whilst maintaining that zipper because it has a brass zipper, which are pretty expensive to uh, to replace if you do break it. And uh, yeah, it does very clever. Another cool thing was that the the thigh pockets they have a instead a lot of thigh pockets they have a wet note section inside of them but uh, like my ones on my fourth element shorts um and my fourth element dry suit it's it's on the inside of the pocket so you have to open up the main section of the uh, of the thigh pocket and then you have this separator on the inside to put your wet notes like your slates uh just flush against your leg however with the sl01 it's actually like between the pocket and the dry suit leg, if that makes sense. So you don't have to open up that pocket. It's it's like it's it's already there, and because it's against your leg, it's it's holding it in place. Um, but yeah, yeah, very smart, very sleek design. Um, one thing about it is that it's one hundred percent made to measure. They're not coming out with stock small, medium, large sizes. Uh, so you go through their like customizer program thing on their website and it it takes you through we need to know this measurement this is where we want you to measure it from and it's got diagrams and it explains it so it's very easy to like work it out because on some some dry suits it asks for like your your torso length and different manufacturers measure torso length from different spots so yeah it is really hard whereas with uh, with seal they they spell it out and they show you a picture so that you know exactly where to measure it from and to. Uh, you can pick and choose all the different seals and all that kind of stuff, the, the like latex or um, or silicone seals. Uh, yeah, lots of um, lots of cleverness to this dry suit. So if you are in the market, um, just just check it out. There's there's a lot more information on their um, uh, on their new website, and yeah, they're going to start like advertising it much much more. Um, so that uh, that was the main one. Um, did I see anything else that was brand new? Um, Scuba Pro they had their um, uh, their Ulex 
neoprene so uh, so much more environmentally friendly a lot of wetsuits we're starting to see ulex is a neoprene alternative so it's it's plant-based it's basically grown and it felt a little bit different to a lot of the ulex some of the ulex that i felt so far in um in other wetsuits it feels a bit more stiff and uh and less stretchy compared to like neoprene that i'm used to whereas the uh, the screw pro ones Granted, they were on a mannequin, so I, I couldn't get too touchy feely with them. But um, but yeah, they, they did feel that they did have a good amount of uh, sort of stretch and movement to them. Uh, yeah, Fourth Element had a decent size stand. Uh, all of their new uh, environmentally friendly things from their um, uh, from their rack fins made from recycled materials. Um, their new Stinger suit, the the full body rash vest, basically. Um, yeah, Morris had a good size stand. Uh, I've mentioned them. They had their um, uh, their Revo rebreather on the uh, on the backside. Cuby uh, gloves with uh, with MyFlex or MeFlex, I should say. Uh, Otter dry suits. They did quite well over the weekend. Um, sold quite a few of those. Uh, Hammond dry suits as well. They had this really cool, like day glow orange dry suit, and. I'm starting to see more and more divers in brighter colors. It's not just standard black. We're seeing quite bright and obvious colors coming out or, or being preferred. So yeah, if you're, um, if you're into bright colors, you really do want to be spotted on the surface, then yeah, bright orange is the way to go. Uh, I've mentioned X Deep. They had all of that. Oh, that was one other thing that, um, that I saw X Deep have a new ceramic shield coating to their back plates. So on aluminium back plates, you get this ceramic colored coating. They only had white on the stand, but they have been experimenting with other colors that can match the color of the nylon cordura of BCDs. So you can have fully color coding matching um, like back plate and wings nowadays. They're also experimenting with a stainless steel variant, which is going to be a bit more popular over here. Um, traditionally, it's quite hard with stainless steel because it would either have to be like anodized um, and it's quite hard to get like exact color catching uh, or color matching, I should say. But with this ceramic coat, which they say is quite scratch resistant, um, that yeah you can you can get some some pretty cool matte colors so we're probably going to see some exciting stuff out of that uh x deeper um, are really leaning quite hard into that uh, like multiple color pattern choosing options on their on their website because you can you can build your own nowadays and have like yeah all sorts of different funky colors um yeah, Halcyon as well. They had their tie-dye wing along with a few um, few funky colors on display. So that was quite cool to see in person, as it were. Um, yeah, Santi as well. And Avatar. Avatar Dry Suits has a new uh, dry suit by the looks of it. And a new logo as well, which is pretty funky. Um, I think that's about it. It is one of those things where I, I've been walking around the show for like three something days and um and yeah just looking at everything and just trying to recall it all is uh, is pretty tough but but those are the ones that that like really stood out to me i'm sure i've forgotten something but um but yeah they're they're, they're all pretty cool things as far as videos that um that have been released over the week uh i had to schedule these quite a while ago so i've forgotten what's actually gone so what have we got so should i run my backup dive computer engage mode 
yeah, gauge mode is one of those things that a lot of divers don't understand or don't like immediately know about. Uh, I mean, I didn't myself when uh, when I first learned to dive. I was just like playing with my first dive computer, and you like cycle through all the different modes. You know, what's gauge mode? Didn't really understand. Took it on a dive, and it's basically a, a bottom timer. But because it isn't recording your uh, like gas loading it's uh it kind of sticks you in gauge mode for at least like 24 hours until it's sure that your tissues are cleared so um so if you've got multiple dives planned um don't use it unless you uh, you absolutely have to and that's all you're going to use for um for subsequent dives and next one was can i use dish soap to wash my dive gear yes absolutely um dish soap is pretty good and uh, and relatively gentle compared to uh, some other uh cleaning agents and it's quite good for scuba equipment because it's like antimicrobial anti-fungal as well so it's going to uh, it's going to kill a lot of the nasties there are some dive equipment specific like detergents for like wetsuits and uh, and like regulators and things but as like a, a general thing yeah uh, dish soap is uh, is pretty good and this weekend we got top 10 uh, tips for when you're buying diving fins so just a few things to look at when you're in the market for buying a new pair of fins um and uh, and yeah that's it for this week yeah hold out on the uh, the youtube channel i'm going to be uploading some um uh, some of the interviews and some of the uh, the b-roll footage of the uh, the go diving show in the next few days um otherwise that's it uh, i'm not going to take up any more of your time uh thank you for listening everybody and of course safe diving <laughs>